Hi, everybody. Thank you for sitting down with me today to listen to this podcast. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate. We're talking real estate appraisal, and we call this one USPAP and three important questions. In this podcast, we are going to tackle three questions that every appraiser at one time or another has asked. These questions are important, as are the answers to them. These questions come directly from appraisers, some of whom are up before their state boards, as well as others who are not. The answers that we're going to present come directly from authoritative sources. These authoritative sources include USPAP, the selling guides of the various GSEs, and the 15th edition of the Appraisal of Real Estate. It's possible you've never heard these questions and these answers to these questions. However, for the new appraisers in the audience and those who want to strengthen their current skills, there is every reason to ask, then answer them. The first question is, how does an appraiser competently and professionally verify a comparable sale? What this really means is, how does an appraiser determine a sale is truly comparable to the subject? That's a great question, worthy of an authoritative answer. The second question has to do with an appraiser who has a complaint filed against them with the State Appraisal Board. The question is, what does the state investigator look for in the appraiser's work file and in the appraiser's report? Typically, appraisers think about sending their report into the state. This is true. However, the state will also require a complete copy of the work file. Why? Well, keep listening and you'll find out. The third question is related to the second question. The third question is, what is enough support in the work file? Despite the fact that USPAP makes an issue of this in the record-keeping rule, the complexity of this question does not fit with the simplicity of the answer in USPAP. This is a shame. Therefore, in this podcast, we're going to attempt to answer this question more clearly than the USPAP document itself answers it. So, question number one is, how does an appraiser competently and professionally verify a comparable sale? If you look up the term comparable sale in the USPAP document, you'll find there is no definition of a comparable sale in the USPAP document. In fact, there is not a single acceptable universal answer to the question in any current authoritative appraisal source. I have done podcasts on this before, so there's no reason to go into detail here. You can listen to past podcasts and get the details. However, in short, the answer is a comparable sale is one that has the same or a highly similar highest and best use as does the subject. Therefore, the competent and professional verification of a comparable sale answers two questions, really. The first question is, did this sale comply with the definition of market value? If it does not, then discard it immediately because there's no reason to consider it any further. The second question is, does this sale have the same highest and best use as the subject? If it doesn't, discard it since it's not a comparable sale. But you'll notice something. What you'll notice is you must know what the highest and best use of the subject is before you can determine if a sale is truly comparable. 
Therefore, you've got to look at what USPAP says about highest and best use. Just so you'll know, USPAP doesn't define highest and best use. However, in Standard Rule 1-3, there is a list of what the State Appraisal Board looks for in any appraisal's highest and best use analysis, for which there must be report in the work file and a summary in the report. We'll address this more when we talk about what a state investigator looks for and what constitutes enough support for a conclusion or an opinion. According to USPAP's Standards Rule 1-3, its market analysis and highest and best use standards rule, an appraiser must identify and analyze the following variables. The effect on use and value of existing land use regulations reasonably probable modifications of such land use regulations, economic supply and demand, the physical adaptability of the real estate, and, finally, market area trends. The four components of highest and best use your appraisal instructor hinted at during your qualifying education cycle were different. This hint reserved itself solely to uses that were physically possible, legally permissible, financially feasible, and brought the greatest value to the property. You probably did not even cover the fact highest and best use is a function of the land's value, not the improvement's value. But that's okay. Now you know. In addition to what USPAP and appraisal theory require, verification of a comparable sale includes examining it in light of the components of the definition of market value. In other words, to verify a comparable sale via the definition of market value, you must ask and then receive answers to numerous questions. These include, was the sale and purchase consummated in a competitive and open market? Were there present all conditions requisite to a fair sale? Were the buyer and seller each acting knowledgeably and prudently? Was the price of the property sold affected by any undue stimulus? Were the buyer and seller typically motivated? Were both parties well-informed or well-advised? Were the parties to the transaction each acting in what they considered to be their own best interests? Was there a reasonable time allowed for exposure in the open market? Was payment for the property made in terms of cash in U.S. dollars or in terms of financial arrangements comparable to U.S. dollars? Did the price represent normal consideration for the property sold, unaffected by special or creative financing or sales concessions granted by anyone associated with the sale? When you have the answers to all these questions, then you have competently and professionally verified the transaction. You say you've never heard of this before? I agree with you. You probably never have. You say it's impossible to get all of that information and still get two reports out the door every day? I agree with you. That volume is probably impossible. However, every one of those questions is a question the state investigator can should and probably will ask the appraiser if they're ever called to answer a complaint. The fact that to verify sales to this depth would take too long is not an argument that carries any water with the state appraisal board. So to sum up an answer on the first question, how do I verify a sale? Simple. Get somebody on the phone who can answer all the questions I just asked. Is that going to be tough? Yes, it is, without question. 
Is that going to take a long time? Yes, it is, without question. Isn't verification to this depth a bit of overkill? Yes, it is, without question. But none of those excuses will carry any water with your state appraisal board. Don't raise them. And besides, this is the work your trainees should be doing, not you, the senior appraiser. The next question is, what does the state investigator look for when investigating a complaint? The short answer is the investigator is looking for market support in the work file for every conclusion you draw, every opinion you form, and every statement of fact you make in the report. In the winter-spring 2023 edition of Working Real Estate Magazine, Barry Phillips and I wrote an article on this very issue. Let me read you just two questions that are fairly common for state investigators to ask appraisers. Quote, Please describe the processes by which you chose your comparable sales, as well as show, from the data in your work file, how and why you chose them. Please indicate how and why you chose these sales, but not others. Please indicate the filters you applied to choose those sales, as well as how and why you chose those filters. Please point out where in the work file you maintain the details of these processes, unquote. That's just one question. Let me read another, quote, Please show from the data in your work file the protocols and or analyses by which you concluded it was necessary to make the adjustments you made to the comparable properties. From the same sources, please show the analyses by which you arrived at the dollar amounts of your adjustments, unquote. There are ten questions in the article. Please, let me recommend you read each of them, since, unfortunately, you may see them again. In sum, then, what does the state investigator look for in an appraiser's work file? The investigator looks for support in the work file for every conclusion the appraiser draws, every opinion the appraiser forms, and every statement of fact the appraiser makes. If, in seeking these answers, the state investigator does not find them in the work file, just assume the state is going to elevate a complaint into a formal charge. Finally, the last question is, what is enough support in the work file to support my opinions, conclusions, and statements of fact? This is a tough question to answer. In fact, USPAP itself dodges this question. The Fannie Mae Selling Guide does not answer it either. However, it does indicate that sources for data verification of each comparable sale can and should include multiple listing service data, deed records, tax records, real estate agents, builders, other appraisers, the files of other appraisers, as well as your own files, and other third-party sources and vendors. Examples of verification sources include, but are not limited to, the buyer, the seller, the listing and selling agents, and in certain instances, the closing documents. Now let me quote something else from the Fannie Mae Selling Guide. This is very important. Quote, Regardless of the sources used, there must be sufficient data to understand the conditions of sale, existence of financing concessions, physical characteristics of the subject property, and whether it was an arm's-length transaction, unquote. 
Further, however the appraiser verifies the transaction, quote, the appraiser must verify the data with a party that does not have a financial interest in the subject transaction, unquote. If we had time, we could go into a great deal more detail about these three questions and their reasonable answers. In a podcast such as this one, we just don't have that time, so we won't get into that depth of detail. However, please allow me one last quote. This is from Standards Rule 2-3, the certification standard, the certification every appraiser signs with every appraisal report that goes out the door. This is the certification that must go in the work file for every oral report the appraiser makes. Quote, I certify that to the best of my knowledge and belief, the statements of fact in this appraisal report are true and correct. Unquote. Without the depth of analysis we have covered in this podcast, it's going to be difficult for an appraiser to certify to the best of his or her knowledge and belief that the statements of fact in the appraisal report are true and correct. But this is our ethical obligation. This is what our clients have the right to expect from us. This is what USPAP demands from us. This is what state appraisal boards demand from us. This is the minimum standard to which they hold us. So, to sum up finally the answers to these three questions, how do I verify a sale, etc.? What does the state appraisal investigator look for, etc.? And what is enough support, etc.? The answer is simple. The verified market data to support the conclusions. If those data are present, the appraiser is probably not going to have a problem. If the data are not, that appraiser is probably going to have a problem. But the point is that data are available. The tools to analyze them are available. So, as a result, it's possible to certify that the statements of fact in any appraisal report are true and correct, if indeed they are. As we comply with our ethical obligations, our clients come to trust us. Let's comply with these obligations so our clients do not need to come to trust AVMs. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. It's good to be with you again. If I can ever be of help, please feel free to get in touch with me. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. You can contact me at tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. I look forward to working with you. It will be a pleasure to know you. My best to you and your family. And after one more question, we're clear. And that question is, are your professional fees professional enough? Now we're clear.